This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen, amen. We're just continuing our series here, and we're talking about the power of worship. You know, I was blessed this morning to, just to hear that it just wasn't a few that were worshiping that the church was entering in. You guys are entering in, and that's what it's about. And, and you know, usually say, you know, when you preach a message, you have to have a destination and you have to have a beginning, and here it is, simply. I want you to know that there's power in worship, and I want you to be worshipers. We could close the service right now and go home. You know what I mean? That's really the message. And then we talk about that, give illustrations. But that's not just for women. Amen. It's for men. It's for men. And, you know, they say, you know, the church has been feminized. That's why men don't uh, worship. You know, it's just it's too feminine. Um, this pulpit doesn't look feminine to me, does it? Um, I don't know. Does that stage look feminine to you or? I mean, we've got cool colors in here. They seem kind of masculine, mid-range, right? I mean, do I seem feminine to you? I mean, I kind of honorably discharged Marine. Uh, I've powerlifted the last two years in powerlifting meet. Um, I drive a Jeep. It's an old Jeep. Uh, come on now, all right? If I can worship, you can worship. Amen, men? And, but we do. We have that here, and I, I love that. I love that, to see men worship. And so, really, there is no excuse. Somebody shout, no excuse. There's no excuse. No excuse. And I want to just talk to you here, and I see how far we can get. Um, I've just been kind of struggling getting to the points I want to because God just kind of sidetracks me, but that's okay. Our text, this is the fourth week in our series, Worship and the Atmosphere. And uh, our text has been Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 20, and We've been touching on it, and then I get a little into uh, in, about warfare and, and, and the power of worship, and I'm probably going to do a little bit of that here this morning, and then we'll conclude, but I want you to notice that the Bible says that immediately, uh, not reading all the text here, you can go back in this chapter, Jesus cures a demon-possessed man, and he was one that was, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, filled with spirits and unclean spirits, and the Bible says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus, one translation says, from afar. Somebody say, from afar. So he didn't have to be in close proximity, but it's far off. The Bible says, he ran towards him and worshipped him. Now, some commentators say that, well, the demons know that the Christ was here. Jesus stepped out of the boat. And the moment that happened, those demons inside him said, oh, my God, the Son of God is here. Why is he here? And they ran and worshipped him. That's one part. Other commentators said that the human side of this man, the man that was tormented, the man that had these evil spirits, he, he recognized the presence of something more powerful than the evil. And that that person stepped ashore. And even though I've been tormented with this, I'm going to run with all my might and bow down before him and worship him. How many with me say amen? So he ran in spite of the demons for his life. In other words, he ran in spite of his addictions, his torment, his broken state. He would not allow that broken state to paralyze him to not worship. Can I get an amen? That's a word for all of us here. 
You don't know what I've been through, Pastor. I've been going through real tough stuff. You don't know what my ex-wife did. My husband is doing. You don't know what this, the pain. My kids did this. You know, this businessman did that. I've been hurt by this. I've been hurt by so many people. This guy was possessed by demons and still knew how to worship God. That was a good time to shout amen. Possessed, all right? And, and, And just dove towards the Lord. And the, he recognized the power of Christ. In verse 10, it says this, and he begged Jesus repeatedly. Now, the he, and here at this, I'm assuming, is the, is the demons, legion that's speaking. And he said he begs him repeatedly not to send them out of the region. And we've talked a little bit about that in the past. And, and we talked about that this is spiritual warfare 101. And we need to know that there are regions, over regions and over cities, over nations, there are controlling spirits. There are spirits that control even over Alexandria and these surrounding communities. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be spooky. It's just cultural stuff. You go, well, you know, it's uh, just the cultural norms, the way we do stuff here. I'm not saying all cultural norms are demonic. What I'm saying is that there are spirits over territories, and people think certain ways. And then God, what he does is he sends a crazy person from another state, and that crazy person he brings into that community because they're not under that craziness, but they're under other craziness from other states. I'm talking about me, Okay. <laughs> And he brings it because they just don't see it. One time I remember I was talking and there was a man that was from actually out of the state and, and he was an Italian guy and we kind of connected and, and I talked on this, the, the, uh, the mindsets up here in the upper Midwest, the law of Yante and how everyone should be equal and don't correct us, don't tell us what to do, don't laugh at anything, don't, you know, just everything, just the kind of the upper Midwestern sacred cows that you don't touch on. You still with me? And I did an altar call like that, and he kind of looking around, smirking, and goes like, you got to be kidding. This is nobody going to respond to this. This is so dumb. Three quarters of the audience stood up. He looked around, and he came up to me later. He goes, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I said, because you're not under this. You didn't grow underneath the mindset. And see, all of us has things that we have to overcome through the power of the word of God. Can you say amen? Very quickly, just four descriptions of this man. Number one, the Bible says he was chained. He was chained. What does that mean? There was something that was binding this man, but he still worshiped. There was something that controlled this man. Some of you may be chained by alcohol. Some of you may be chained by drugs, prescription drugs. Some of you may be chained by some addiction or something like that, a mindset. Some of you be chained by, I don't know what your chains are, but his chains would not, he did not allow his chains to not worship God. Amen, Pastor Mike. Aren't you glad you came to church? Here's this. Number two, he was naked. It symbolized the shame. I don't know anybody in here that's been running around in Alexandria naked. Running around naked. That means like when he says naked, it means no clothes, okay? Running through Target, running through Walmart. Come on now, running down Broadway in this weather, all right? How many of you know that? They'd be snatched up really quick. <clears throat> he didn't allow his nakedness. What is that? Shame. Those things in his life that were shameful to him. And what happens is when we come to church, what do we do? We allow shame. We allow condemnation. We allow those things to keep us distant from the Lord. And what happens when the crazy guy up there is going, let's enter in, let's press in. What do we do? We kind of sit back and go, you know, because I'm ashamed. Pastor, you know what I've been doing this last week. Listen, it isn't as bad as what that man's been doing. He's been running naked all through the town. He didn't allow his nakedness, amen, to stop him from worship. And then quickly, number three, it says he cut himself, cut himself with stones. Actually, it means if you look in the original, not just cutting, but he would try to stone himself. He would hit himself with rocks. That's demonic. 
that's totally demonic. Trying to, there's something about him that he hated about his life, and he just kept cutting and cutting, and it was, it was involuntary. And that's like a lot of us with condemnation. Coming to church and we've done something wrong. We just we, We've done something that was just terrible. We felt, and we, we disappointed God and we disobeyed God. Well, get in line. We all have. Amen? But you know what? He didn't allow that. He didn't allow that situation, his circumstance, to stop him when he saw the Son of God, when he saw freedom, when he saw hope, to stop him from worshiping. Amen? And quickly, number four, it said, he lived among the tombs. He lived among the tombs. I don't know about anybody here that lives in tombs or anything like that. It's pretty cold out there if you try to do that. But he lived in the cemetery, the area that was just, you don't, that's, how many of those, that is really, really, really weird. I know it's popular now in day and age with zombies and all of that. That's really fun. You know, I like to dress up like zombies, but he was real zombie. He was a real crazy zombie. He was just nuts. And he was full of spirits. But the Bible says that, he lived in the tombs. Why? He had an attitude as, I'm dead. I'm dead. My life is used. I, it's going nowhere. My future's going nowhere. I'm just, I'm a walking dead man. I'm a zombie. And so he just accompanied with that. And you know what? A lot of you, some of you, I should say not a lot of you, but many, many people, they live among the dead because they think that's where I feel comfortable with. I'm friends and I'm comfortable at the bar drinking getting drunk because I feel comfortable. I'm comfortable with a group of guys or, or gals or whatever that run into this scenario or that or run with this group. That's, I'm comfortable. That's, that's who I feel safe with. God is calling us up higher. I said, church, he's calling us up higher. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You do not have to be what you, was, uh, you grew up under, what your parents declared or maybe thought or, you, or what you came out of. God has something different for you. Can I get an Amen. <clears throat> he had this thing, I, even in this state, all of these circumstances, this man still, he knew how to worship God. He knew how to worship God. He worships in his broken state. Well, we said that when we, we're talking about spiritual warfare 101, that we talk about that the good news, I got good news this morning. Isn't it nice to go to church here, good news, amen? Matthew 16, 19 says this, Jesus says, I will give you the keys, somebody shall keys, to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What does that mean? Listen to me, Christian, young man, woman, dad, mom, you have an authority as a believer. If you don't use that authority, you advocate that, and the devil will take over. Something else will fill that gap. If you don't speak to that situation, if you don't declare to that situation, you don't pray, you don't worship towards you know, that situation to have that thing changed in your life, you will always be subject to it. I said you will always be subject to it. You know that, you know, I just can't quit this alcohol. It just grips me. He's like, it's just who I am. No, that's not who you are, but that's how the devil wants you to think you are. Amen? And so unless you speak to that, unless you, you, you rise up and you say, you know, I'm going to take back in Jesus' name. And some of you don't know how to begin. How do I begin? How do I begin? Well, the most powerful tool that we have access to is the Word of God. It's the word of God. And so I want to encourage you. If there's something that's driving you, that's tormenting you, that's pushing you into something, you go, that's not who I am. You need to find a scripture, a verse, or something to declare, and you need to declare that over your life. You need to have it on your kitchen. You need to have it on your mirror in your bathroom. Amen. You need to have it on your app that pops up. You need to be your screensaver. Amen. Come on now. You, you got to have that before you. A little note, sticky note in the car where you drive it. You got to get, see, garbage in, garbage out. What are you feeding on? 
Amen? <clears throat> it's, what, it's God's word that sets us free. And it's just not usually a one-time thing. You know, Jesus, when he healed some people, how many of you know it was instantaneous? Not all the time. It's not all the time. He prayed for a man that was blind, and he said, you know, uh, go wash. He goes wash. He comes back. He says, what do you see? He says, I, I, I see men as trees. Okay. He laid hands on it again. Why does Jesus have to lay hands on somebody twice? Was it, didn't Jesus have enough power? Well, I, you've heard me share this before. I believe the power of God is cumulative. And Jesus said, oh, let me just do this again. Lay hands again. And the guy says, I can see. What does that say? That tells something to us. And see, all you high Calvinist sovereignty of God, you know, hey, K Sarasara, Doris Day, you know, mindset people that God, you know, it's the mindset that God, he's all powerful. How many know we do serve an all powerful God? But God has limited himself in the affairs of man. He chose to do that. He doesn't have to, but he chose. Maybe we'll get into this here in a moment about the authority that he has really given us as his people. But keys, keys give us access. Somebody shout access. And see, the enemy, he knows that. But God's called us to take dominion, to rule, to reign. And we're not talking about rioting. We're not talking about marching in the streets or you know, overthrowing. We're taking authority, spiritually speaking. And the church plays a vital role of that. The, the local church, a vital role. See, we need, to be a, we need to make certain church here that this church here, in Alexandria, our home church, Church for the Harvest, is going to be a place, a beacon of worship, a beacon of hope, where the people that are tormented by spirits, that people that have demons, which there's a lot out there, we've got a lot of names for it now, a lot of, a lot of health names that we title stuff, because we can't quite figure out why someone walks into a school, why they walk into a bar, why they start massacring people. We're trying to figure that out. It's demons. Yes, yes. It's demons. I don't know how else to say it. It's demons. And, you know, if ever I'm on Fox News, you hear, hey, that's Pastor Mike. It's demons. <laughs> they go, well, you got to be kidding. Where did that? Wow. Or they'll lay you alone and you're crazy. But there's a real spiritual forces, okay? They're out there. And the enemy does not want you to come into all that God has for you. But we need a place that is a beacon of worship, like this morning, like I was sensing this morning, that when you're entering in, men, women, young people, everybody entering in where worship is going up to heaven, and the devil and his demons are being displaced. How many know Satan hates worship? He hates it. And so that's why we're talking about worship. And some of you, he just kind of hangs around and follows. Remember the... What's the one, uh, uh, there was some cartoon or whatever, there was always like a, a demon on the shoulder of, of one of them, and then it would be an angel on the other one, you know, and it's like, what voice do I listen to? Some of you just carrying demons around. They're just kind of, I'm not saying that you're, you're possessed. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that they're just, they, they, they like the company because you think a certain way, you believe a certain way, you, you like that company. You know, you know, how many know pigs are pigs? Physical animals, they, you know, they're nasty. And if you hang around pigs, you act like a pig. Amen, Pastor Mike. All right? And so, so they just, they just kind of inhabit and hang around places that, that they, they feel, hey, these people like this. But you see, God has called us to, to have a place of worship where the enemy, this is what I'm believing God for. I'm believing God for this, that he's unable to move. He's unable to oppress. When people come into our church building and our sanctuary where we worship God, their lives are touched. They are set free. Nobody even has to lay hands on them. Through the worship time, through the preaching, demons start coming out. People are set free. Can I get an amen? And why? Because it's a place 
It's a place that displaces the enemy. Amen? Mark chapter 5, verse 120 says, this man was demon-possessed. He runs to Jesus and he begins to worship. You know, worship is not what we do to get to the preaching. Amen. You know, it's a shame that, it, you know, you say, well, I don't like this guy's type of worship. I don't like that girl's type of worship. You know, she irritates me. He irritates me, whatever. Forget about it. We are here not because of a person. We are here because of Jesus Christ. It's not about Curtis. It's not about the worship team. It's about Jesus. And so if a demon-possessed guy that's cutting himself, that's naked, that's in chains, can lift his hands and worship God and lay before him, we can too. Amen? We can too. And so I just want to encourage you, because the enemy likes to lie. What happens when you're under these lies, you separate yourself. You isolate yourself. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. And you miss out. You miss out what God wants to do. Amen? Let me get off of that. That's a hot topic there. Worship is not three fast songs, three slow songs. Worship is more than cadence. It's more than rhythm. It's more than melody. It's more than harmony. It's more than voice. It's more than posture. What is worship? Worship is the engagement of the human heart, the human soul, the human spirit with the divine, with the eternal one in, in heaven. God Almighty. That's what worship is. Can you say Amen. What happens when we worship, we lock in, we connect with God. And what happens is there's a flow. Somebody shout a flow. A flow from heaven into your world. Your world. When we worship God, there's a flow that comes from heaven. How many of you know heaven is a place of peace? It's a place of peace. It's a place of joy. The Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. Not in his presence there's sadness and sorrow and gloom and oppression. No, in Jesus' presence is fullness. It's fullness. The Bible says you will show me the path that leads to your uh, life. Your presence fills me with joy. I'm not doing good, Pastor. I'm so unhappy. Get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of God. Well, I'm at work here and whatever. I can't. I, you know, I'm, I'm either trucking on the road or whatever. What are you listening to for 10 hours a day or nine hours a day? Come on now. Ah, she left me. You know, so I, I need to come up with a better country and western tune that you all go, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Amen? It's, what, what are you feeding on? Well, you know, it's okay now once in a while, Pastor. Hey, listen, I'm not trying to be a legalist, okay? Hear me now. Hear my heart. But when you're in warfare, you, you, you need to, you know, desperate people do desperate things. Okay, you know, when you're not in a good frame of mind, that's not the time to turn on Oprah, okay, or something crazy. You got to turn on God, amen? You got to hear God for your life, not some crazy person out there, amen? <laughs> when we worship God, it creates a conduit, and there's access, there's access. Oh, just think about this. I mean, God forbid if a Christian dies of cancer and breathes their last breath, that, that last exhale immediately when they leave, and I've been around the, the bedside of, of many people that, are, that have passed away and from this life to the next, and they, they exhale immediately. They're, if they're a Christian, they're filled with a, a heavenly inhale in their life, right there, because they're in, that, that, that in paradise in a moment. And here's the thing. In a moment, what they're aware of is that what they died of is not what afflicts their body right now. Immediately, that cancer's gone. You know, my, I lost my sister to cancer. She had a fast-growing cancer. She was 11 months older than me, and, and uh, she passed away in 2016. And, uh, you know, she, she really, I don't think, really knew. She really knew the severity of what came upon her. And, and when I heard it, I began to cry. 
immediately. And the rest of the family was, you know, what's the deal? You know, Mike's grieving. I'm grieving because I knew the severity was on it. And I began to pray. I began to pray. And so my wife and I immediately, we've just worked out stuff. We drove all the way down to North Carolina to see her. And, um, and she was just kind of, hey, got to get this, you know, get this thing out of here off of me and I'll be good to go, whatever. But I, when I saw her, I just thought it spread through her whole body, it spread through her whole body. Her legs were swollen. This is my sister. And uh, I, I was grieved. I was grieved. And I remember the last time there with her, I went into the room, I peeked in and I hugged her and we were ready to turn back, come back here to Minnesota. And she kind of slapped me on the shoulder and she would do that. She'd go, hey, Mike, come on, come on. I got this. I mean, I'm good to go. I just got to take care of this. And I went, I love you, Sue. And I hugged her and that was the last time I saw her. The point I'm trying to say is that I know when she breathed her last, that cancer was gone. It was gone. See, she entered in paradise, see? And if someone's blind on this earth, the moment they enter paradise, they can see. That spirit, man, they can see. It's a real, it's real, it's a real place. Why? Because in his presence, in his presence, there's healing, there's the miraculous. The impossible becomes possible in the presence of God, amen? So when we worship, there's a flow. Jesus said, watch this, when we pray, when we pray, our Father in heaven, we honor you, your holy name. We ask that your kingdom will come now. Why does God say we need to pray for his kingdom to come if God is in control of everything on earth? He has all things worked out. Now, I know God is sovereign. He's sovereign in his kingdom. This is not his kingdom. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible says. But how many know what's taking place on earth? If you think everything that's happened is the will of God, no wonder why the world calls us nuts. Come on now. Amen, I'm preaching better than you're responding. All the rapes, the murders, all the wars. God knows what he's doing. He's juggling. There's a devil out there. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you don't recognize him, if he can make you think it's all God and you blame God for everything, he is skating free. And he is, he is bringing his lies in your life and you're just believing all his lies. Can I get an amen? It's a lie of the enemy. The battles you're faced with are not flesh and blood. They are spiritual battles. 100% those battles are spiritual. Well, that's that husband of mine. Well, that's that wife of mine. No, it's a spiritual battle. It may, they may be an issue. They may be a thorn in your side, but how many know God gave you them? Amen? <laughs> to work it out, to work through it. Hey, all the husbands and wives said amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was free. Someone needed that. I just lost my, no, I lost my whole thought on that one. <laughs> well, see, Satan hates, watch this, watch it. He hates the church. Would you agree with that? He hates the church. But what he hates more, watch this now, he hates more is the church that is a worshiping church. Come on now. How many know you can come to church, you can fall asleep, some churches, right? You, you say, oh my goodness, what, what? Is it done yet? I've been in some services where 20 minutes, I would rather get a root canal. <laughs> yeah! I'll take it. For 20 minutes, then it's so bad. Amen? It's not what God's called us. Amen? Church should be a place where it's alive. When you leave, you go, I don't know what it was, but I've got something today. I received something today. Amen? Something from God. Hallelujah. So he hates a worshiping church. He hates when you worship. He hates it because here's what's happened spiritually. Those little imps, those little monkey demons, or whatever you want to call them that have been harassing you, they leave. Some of you even right now are not under oppression. Just by the sound of my voice, there's freedom over your life right now. You actually feel, probably it's the first time you felt good all week. I feel a little hopeful right now. That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God. 
And then when you step back out, somebody is like, oh, I just want church to continue on. I can't preach that much, okay? That's too much for me. You can carry it through worship. You can carry it through the presence when you leave here. You carry that with you. Say, man, I'm full and I'm going to stay full. And listen, listen, if you fall, fall forward. Get back up. Amen? Get back up. God, God doesn't go, that's it. I'm sending you back 15 miles in the past because of your sin. Get back up. That's why I say fall forward. You gain six foot one inch. I'm still six foot one. Amen? Whatever your height is. My kids would argue that, but worship displaces the demonic. The law of physics says that no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. I looked this up. It's called the Pauli's exclusion principle. It says that, says that two electrons can't occupy the same state in a molecular orbit. And I thought about that. I said, you know, when I praise God, my Bible says that when I worship him at the same time as my praise goes up, that my God inhabits my praises. And what does that mean? He dwells. Somebody showed he dwells. He dwells in the presence of his people in that state. He dwells. That's why demons hate praise because it, it routes them. It casts them off. That oppression leaves. And so in other words, as our worship goes up, God's spirit and his presence comes down. His presence drives out the enemy and it displaces demonic forces around you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. Praise God. Let's get back to our text and we'll conclude here. I thought we lost a lot of time there, but God made it up. Mark 5.10, the demons cried out, please don't send us out of our region, out of our territory. What does Jesus do? He permits them to go into the swine. Isn't that right? Now, swine, unlike the... Uh, a man has no will. Animals just doesn't have any will. And so what happens is, a difference, how many know there's a difference between animals and humans? Okay, we still at that same, we understand that, right? Okay, because the line is getting really gray right now. <clears throat> People trying to change their age, you know, they don't want to be 69, they want to be 49, and they want to, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's out there that people are doing. <clears throat> Marries Marry their animals or some crazy stuff. We have a free will, Okay. And what happens is they don't have a free will. The pigs are smart enough at least to know, they're like, I don't like what just happened to us. And 2,000 of them go over a cliff. You know, it was interesting one time when atheists was arguing, it's like, that can't be true. Because in Israel, that cliff there goes straight to, to, it doesn't go into the ocean. If you follow along that whole area, and it just goes directly right into the beach, right on, on the sand and rocks. So they didn't go in the ocean. They didn't drown. But there's one area on a cliff that goes and perches into the ocean. You know exactly where it's at today. That's where they were. That's where they went over. They went over that one area that's perched out. What am I trying to say? The free will of man is extremely powerful. I'm gonna say this again. The free will of man is so powerful that God gave you a gift that, watch this now, put the stones in your pockets, calm down, but I'm going to say something here. I'm going to show you in the scriptures that I believe it's true. That your will, in a sense, is more powerful than God's will. See, I knew that. Just rattle. Oh, that's it. False prophet. That's it. I'm leaving. He's speaking heresy. Watch this. Just calm down. Watch this. <clears throat> God gave you and I a free will, and that is super, super, super powerful. Super powerful. How many know, to simplify it, that you don't want to marry somebody Oh, well, that's even AI right now with robots. They're doing that right now, okay? You're going to marry a robot. And, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, robot can do whatever you want. And, and they say, I love you. How do you feel about that? I love you. 
somebody had to program, this guy's an idiot, and he is the ugliest, but yeah, okay, I love you. Come on, are you with me this morning? What am I saying? We have a free will. We have a free will. And how many know that God wants his people that love him, that worship him, that out of their free will, they could choose not to, to love him. Isn't that right? To worship him. Boy, that's love, right? Yeah, not contrived where I suppose I'll marry you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I don't care. You know, whatever the wedding day, whatever you want to do, whatever. You want to enter into that for the rest of our life? Come on. No, <laughs> no. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? You know, I believe it's how God sets it up, and nobody really preaches on this much. Here's the thing. Does the Scripture say, no, just, just follow with me here. Does the Scripture say that God desires all men to be saved? Now watch this. This is God Almighty. Does he desire everyone to be saved? It is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires. Somebody shout all men. All. Ladies, that means you. It's a gender. It just means all. All men and women to be saved. And to what? Not just be saved. To what? Come into the knowledge of the truth. Does that mean be saved? Why aren't all men saved? Something is more powerful than the will of God in that. What is it? It's your will. Amen. It's your will. Well, I know you Calvinists out there, God selected a few, and then he told, he damned the rest. And the select chosen few, we don't know who out there is chosen. Some of you are just damned no matter what you do. This is the thinking, you know, the reasoning. That's a lie. That's a lie in Jesus' name. All men, everyone, God wants everyone saved. Why aren't they? Because they don't choose. It's their will. He desires all men. Wow, to me, that is huge. That is huge. I believe in many instances the human will can trump the will of God. How many know that it was not God's will, watch this, for Adam to eat the fruit? Okay? But Adam said, not your will be done, but my will be done. And here we are reeling from his one choice 2,000 years later. Here's another one. When Jesus came to rescue us, how many know that he was in the garden? The Bible says, in the garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed three times. How many know he was tempted? Satan tempted him, and he came back with the word of God. How many remember that? Okay, and what happens? The Bible says, uh, what does Jesus say? Watch this. This is the Son of God. Father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not Wait a minute. Nevertheless, not, but Jesus stepped back and said, I have a will. I know what I'm going for. And boy, in, in this, the Bible says that he, he sweat, his blood was like, his, his sweat was like drops of blood is a term. He made hematodistrosis, I think is how it's pronounced. It actually means extreme agony in the soul that you, you just, you're sweating and your blood comes through your sweat. How many know that was a serious moment for Christ? Okay? It was a serious moment. But what does he say? Not my will. Jesus is saying, I have a will in this. And I could choose to have 10,000 angels at this moment and just take care of this whole situation. But he goes, Lord, your will be done. Stand with me if you would, please. Your will be done. Your will be done. What is Jesus saying? He said, I lay down my will of survival, his will of self-preservation. He laid that down and he chose what? God's will over his will. I think that's a word for us here this morning. Are you going to choose God's will over our will? You know, there's permissible wills of God. There's the perfect will of God. 
you know, there's different wills of God. How many know you can say, if you want something bad enough, the Bible says he will, God will even give it to you, even if it's to your own hurt, because you want it. You want it. And that's a very, that was the biggest fear in my life, to marry a person just because I wanted them so bad. Come on now. I'm meddling right now. I just, oh, I have to have, I can't have life without them. If I don't have her or him or whatever, my life, and so I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll never lose this person. Listen, anytime you elevate a person above God, you're in sin. And that relationship will not work. Amen, preach, Pastor Mike. <clears throat> but I just said, you know what? I came to a point even one time when Rhonda we were dating, I broke up with her. <laughs> Poor thing. I said, that's it. I don't want to see her for two weeks because I wouldn't want her to be an idol in my life. I'm going hear what I'm saying, all right? Some of you think, he's nuts. But I had to test that. How many know if I had the wrong woman, I wouldn't be here today? This woman, she sacrifices. She gives her a life. She, she's administrative grace, and she just sticks with me. I'm crazy. And <laughs> <laughs> you know that. Some of you know me, that this guy's nuts. She stick with me. And I love her for it. She was the right woman. She was the right woman. Amen? Hallelujah. Satan hates it when we worship God. Why? Because it displaces his presence. It displaces his presence. Let's pray. Worship team, you can come forward. The Bible says in Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas were in prison. They were in prison. And it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You know, there's a midnight in all of our lives. A midnight in all of our lives. For some reason, I went to bed last night after the banquet, and I was pretty high, strong, and four o'clock. I was wide awake at four o'clock, so I'm writing down stuff, typing stuff out, and just kind of my mind. And and and, and I just think about the midnight times in our life. All of us are faced with midnight times. What do we do with the midnight time? Go online. Maybe Google will give me an answer from God. I don't know. Maybe my friends will. What midnight times of our life? times of desperation. Sometimes we just suffer through it. A lot of men, they just kind of tell nobody. Just going to suffer in silence, deal with it. That really works out good too. <clears throat> I feel the Spirit of the Lord here today because there's a special presence of God that's here, church. And that presence is a worshiping presence that's here today. I don't mean to be spooky, but I just sense that. I sense God is just breaking some stuff here this morning in our lives. And he's, he's bringing us as a church into a, a, a new season and a new level of worship to, just to carry his presence in a greater capacity. Church is not about game playing. Church is not about, should not be about politics. Church should not be about a job. Church is the kingdom of God. Jesus truth salvation and here I'm just going to conclude with this and we'll get into it Lord willing next week but the cross did more than just save your soul so what do you mean Pastor Mike when Jesus died on the cross he just didn't redeem us as sons and daughters of Adam that were lost that's the truth he did redeem us and those souls that were lost those that cry out to the Lord Jesus, I believe, was also wanting to redeem back the earth through you and I. We know the earth is his, but how many know Satan is the small God, Corinthians says, of this world? System, the system. And see, if you live your life just thinking, I'm just kind of a little pawn on a chess game, 
wherever God wants to move me. You listen, God has already given you a green light. Some of you are waiting for the red lights. Waiting, waiting, or oh, waiting for the green lights, you should say, waiting. What about this God? What about that? What about that? He said, I already told you to go. What is in your heart? What's in your heart that you want to do? Wow. To me, that's liberating. But Jesus was redeeming the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullest thereof. Psalm 24, 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 26. Let's pray. God wants us to take dominion. And part of that is to worship. That we have a place here. Not just here, other places. I believe it should be littered and scattered throughout all this country and through the world. Places, Bethel's, houses of worship, places where people can be set free, people can be delivered. The lies of the enemy can come down where freedom will take place. People that are bound like this Gadarean would be set free even in their broken state. They can come to a place and they're set free. They're set free. You hear this morning as a pastor, I, man, I, I feel like that guy. I just, yeah, I maybe haven't been <clears throat> running around crazy naked, but boy, I can relate to him torment. Today is a day of deliverance for you. I declare that today is a day of deliverance for you. You're here this morning with every head bowed. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be free. I want to be free to be a worshiper of God. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to know the Lord. I want to get right with God. I've fallen away. My heart has been hardened. I've been bitter. I've been angry. I've been resentful. I allow these questions in my mind to go unresolved and I just kind of chalk off anything that the preacher says and go, well, you know, I haven't let you into my heart. That's you here today and you're willing to take that step to surrender your life, to give your life to Christ, to make him Lord of your life, then pray with me as we pray together corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Fill me with your spirit. Save me. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.